Welcome to Not Your Mother's Menopause, Making Hormones Make Sense, with Dr. Fiona Lovely. Dr. Lovely is an expert on health, treating women and their families from around the world. Her specialities include endocrinology, functional neurology, and functional medicine. Please visit us at drlovely.com. And now, here's the doctor. Hello, gorgeous wild women. It's Dr. Fiona Lovely here of Not Your Mother's Menopause Making Hormones Make Sense podcast. I hope everyone's had a great week since I've spoken with you last. Um, And I just want to acknowledge that I apparently touched a nerve with a lot of you last week in speaking on beliefs and uh, where the role of beliefs uh, lands in in how we think about ourselves and how we operate as women. And for those of you that reached out to me uh, to say just how much it uh, affected you, I just thank you so much for those messages, always, always. So a couple of things. Um, I have a new website. Or I should say the website I have has been redesigned, and I'm, I'm quite excited about it. Uh, that is the drlovely.expert website. I think that um, there's going to be a lot more content that will be posted there in the coming uh, weeks, as well as uh, you will be getting emails. If you've signed up on my email list, uh, join the Sisterhood Movement on the website. Again, it's drlovely.expert. That will, um, those emails will start to come soon. I've got some uh, fun things brewing for you. So anyways, for today's podcast, what I thought I would do is actually uh, go to the requests uh, for information that I get uh, via this podcast, via the website as well, and uh, give you guys some information that I know you're looking for. So uh, three things I think I'm going to talk about today. It just depends on maybe maybe I'll get through one and it'll be too long and I'll have to do two more, which will be fine. But um, let's start with uh, thinning hair or hair falling out. That's a fairly common question I get in my office. I think I've had three of you send me messages in the last week or so asking me about um, what that means. So so a few things. Uh, by the time we reach our 50s, about half of us can talk about our hair uh, starting to fall out or has definitely become uh, less abundant as we've aged. And, you know, hormones are very much involved in the uh, production and maintenance of hair on the head. Um, I always think it's kind of funny that uh, ironic, maybe let's go with ironic that at menopause, uh, we gain great long hairs on the end of our uh, chin, but we start to lose uh, the gorgeous mane of hair that we may have had for our lifetimes. But on the other hand, um, we will also have a reduction in pubic hair and armpit and leg hair as well. So um, sometimes that doesn't always happen that way, but and it can take several years past the last menstrual period before that really starts to happen, but um, it is something that's fairly common. So it's kind of a give and take. Anyways, so to go back to thinning hair, I'm talking about hair on the head. So a few things. Thyroid dysfunction will absolutely show up as hair uh, getting more fine uh, or less coarse over time. So certainly having your thyroid checked. And I'm going to talk about thyroid dysfunction here in a few minutes um, 
uh, God willing. And um, we'll dive a little farther into how, how to do that, uh, to have your thyroid checked. So estrogen, high levels of estrogen in the body, which if you've been a fan of this podcast, you've heard the estrogen dominance episode, and you know that most of us have had or are currently in an estrogen dominant situation, which means the balance of the female and sex hormones and androgen hormones are out of balance, um, and the other ones simply cannot uh, keep up to what estrogen is doing. So when that happens, one of the ways that the body deals with high levels of estrogen, because estrogen and testosterone are so similar in chemical structure, the body will create more testosterone to use up some of that excess of estrogen. When that happens, you can get a male pattern baldness happening or uh, hair thinning in that um, in that pattern. Is what I call the cul-de-sac of hair. You know, chances are your dad or your grandfather, someone you know has that band of hair around the back of his head and over his ears, but not on top. That's male pattern baldness. So, um, okay. Nutritional deficiencies will also show up as thinning hair. Certainly, uh, minerals, um, uh, will do that as well as iron will do that. Um, B vitamins too. So just make sure you're getting a good balanced diet and you might want to take a micro mineral supplement especially if you have food intolerances, especially if you have autoimmunity, especially if you have gut issues, especially if you know gluten is a problem for you, then you will have troubles absorbing those uh, micronutrients. So super important to get an ultra usable form, like a liquid form of, um, of uh, minerals and micronutrients that can help do that. Now, keep in mind when you're treating uh, yourself specifically for thinning hair, it takes a long time to know whether or not what you're doing is actually working. So if you, uh, you know, six months to a year before you give up on something, if you think it's not working, um, I think there's sort of a combination of things that can happen here too. So insulin resistance, um, which is, uh, possible for a lot of us in, in perimenopause. And it's the, you get before diabetes comes pre-diabetes, before pre-diabetes comes insulin resistance. And basically what happens is when you eat uh, carbohydrates, um, it becomes glucose in the system. When the glucose is in the bloodstream, insulin is released from the pancreas to drive the fuel, the glucose into the cell. But what happens is the cell becomes resistant to insulin, and so the glucose doesn't get into the cell, but you end up with a bunch of sugar glucose in the blood. So high blood sugar results, high insulin production, which then leads to exhaustion of the pancreas because the pancreas just keeps getting the signal to make more and more and more insulin because the fuel isn't getting into the cell. So, you know, of course, a big factor in that, that very thing is hormone balance, age, how much sugar you eat, how sedentary a lifestyle you have. There is a genetic component to it as well. And, um, you know, it's just a matter of getting balance and whether or not your your diet is crap. If it's crap, then chances are you're eating a lots of carbs because they're cheap and they're portable, but over time they can really lead to trouble. So believe it or not, it can be linked back to uh, the hair thinning for sure. So again, smaller, more frequent meals, mostly protein and healthy fats first, and then uh, you can put carbs into the system. Our body definitely needs them, however, um, in the right 
in the right format. And there are far better resources of information about that very thing than my mouth. So I'll go on and talk about something else that's in my lane. Okay. So one of the other things I've been asked about lately is um, the use of the birth control pill in perimenopause. And I have seen this become an increasingly popular um, option, shall we say, for perimenopausal women when they are being treated by a traditional medicine practitioner that is a general practitioner or maybe even a GYN specialist. So basically, it's... It's become more of a practice since the Women's Health Initiative was um, found to increase certain kinds of cancer uh, with the use of hormone replacement therapy, um, as well as uh, heart disease and stroke. So since that came out, the use of HRT or traditional HRT, that's your Premarin, PremPro, etc., are is way reduced. So one of the ways that the prescribing physicians are ducking around the women's health initiative is to to prescribe the birth control pill rather than HRT. And really it's it's kind of a smokescreen because it's the same substances, guys. Isn't that crazy? It's still estrogen collected from pregnant mares, pregnant horses, Premarin, pregnant mares urine, you remember me telling you that. Um, but it's the same thing that's used in the hormonal birth control or the pill, let's call it the pill, um, and synthetic progesterone. So, uh, like cautious, major, be cautious with it, major caution with it, okay? Because you're still going to have um, the issues that we found with the massive prescription of HRT over decades, which then was studied with the Women's Health Initiative, um, was it the late 90s, early 2000s, I think. I'd have to look that up. But you can uh, Google the Women's Health Initiative and see the results of it and uh, go from there. Some of the initial results were uh, reversed, but still, that's when I've seen the pill prescribed for perimenopause start to become a real trend. So regardless of whether or not you feel it's helping the passage of perimenopause, you're still blocking the natural function of the body. That said, if you're a heavy bleeder, it can control heavy bleeding and cramping. If you feel like a hysterectomy is not an option for you, and that's fine, you know I get behind that. But it seems to be that either the pill in perimenopause or the use of the progesterone IUD, which is called the Marina here in Canada, is um, becoming more and more popular than even doing the surgery for heavy bleeding, which is the endometrial ablation. So if heavy bleeding is the primary symptom for you, ask your GP to send you to a specialist so that you can ask the questions about an endometrial ablation. And what that is, is a laser burns off the inside of the uterus, so you no longer shed the lining of the uterus, so heavy bleeding can stop. It's really um, the best way to control that, um, putting aside any um, work that functional work that you might do on balancing your hormones and changing your lifestyle. If those things you've done and they're not working for you or haven't yet worked for you, and it's just a matter of being fed up or being so anemic that you can't even manage to get the energy to process this properly, then maybe an endometrial ablation is a better option for you. But more and more, I'm seeing the implantation of the um, 
uh, synthetic progesterone, Mirena, uh, IUD, or the pill. Now, I'm sure I've talked about the Mirena before, but just to kind of give you the quick and dirty. The synthetic progesterone that's used in the Mirena is also the same stuff that was used in the Depo-Provera shot, which caused a whole mess of trouble for women. And still to this day, even though I believe it is not available any longer for birth control use, um, they uh, actually use it to chemically castrate, chemically castrate male sex offenders, which should just kind of be upsetting to you because it sure as hell upsets me. Anyways, um, uh, it's not being used any longer, and the women that come to my office that have a history of either Depo-Provera or using the Mirena with a synthetic progesterone, which if you've been prescribed the Mirena IUD, that's what's embedded in it, um, have the worst of the worst symptoms and seem to be the ones that are the hardest to correct, okay? So major caution there. I'd say take a wide berth. There are other options. Okay, so heart palpitations can be something that comes on from the birth control pill, and of course that has to do with estrogen and estrogen's effect on the thyroid. So the thyroid does control heart function to some degree, and when you get too much estrogen in the system, that's exactly what can happen is you can end up with heart palpitations. And then along with the heart palpitations comes a whole host of chemicals that are anxiety-inducing. Now, one, it's a chicken-egg thing. Sometimes the anxiety can cause the heart palpitations and maybe it's not connected to the pill. But quite often the pill causes the palpitations, which then can make you anxious because... Frankly, when your heart's fluttering in your chest and you're not sure if it's going to continue to beat properly, um, that can make you a little bit anxious. So, um, you know, also uh, it's looking at the thyroid and saying, is the thyroid dysfunctioning and can we um, do better with thyroid function? So the last thing I want to say about the birth control pill and perimenopause is that studies have shown uh, the pill contributes to depression. And that's a fairly recent study that was done. And, you know, the thing is, the birth control pill is, if, if a pregnancy would be devastating to you at this point, and your partner being uh, having a vasectomy, um, is not an option, um, or maybe it's casual sex that you're having, which is fine. I don't know. Do we use that term anymore? <laughs> um, no judgment. You still want to make sure to use a condom, though, right? Remember, women in midlife are more likely to have uh, herpes diagnosis um, than any other time in your life. So one in four carry the herpes virus, and quite often they have no idea that they show it. They have no. They don't manifest it outwardly, so they can pass it on to you without even knowing. Oral as well as um, intercourse, okay? Sex of, of really any kind can pass that along. Okay, so um, if a pregnancy would be devastating, condom, vasectomy, not an option, um, then the pill is your best bet. However, I think there's a lot better options that you can go through first, okay? So last thing I want to talk about here today is uh, thyroid dysfunction because that one keeps coming up and um, let me give you a little bit of uh, hopefully renewed information for you. So first of all, uh, thyroid issues are epidemic for women and the problem is traditional medicine really has very antiquated views of how to test and correct 
thyroid dysfunction. And there's a lot of factors involved in thyroid dysfunction and uh, traditional medicine. Chances are your traditional medicine doctor, unless they've had some functional medicine training, probably are going to go one of the older routes for you. So if thyroid is a problem for you, which if you're having thyroid issues or having hormone issues, chances are the thyroid's involved to some degree, you absolutely must see a functional medicine practitioner because we can correct those issues in much better ways than traditional medicine. So typically what would happen is you'd have a blood test for any number of thyroid hormones. There, um, It's always best to get a comprehensive panel, but very few physicians do order a comprehensive thyroid panel. Um, Quite often, actually what I've been hearing recently is that the doctors in my area are refusing to test for thyroid peroxidase, TPO, which is the autoimmune or the antibody marker for thyroid, which means basically your body is attacking its own thyroid tissue. And when we see that, we know autoimmunity is an issue, okay? So what I've heard is that the doctors in my area are not testing this anymore because they feel like they they would... Treat it the same way, whether it was hypo, hyper, or uh, autoimmune thyroid. So they're just going to test it on the most basic possible way, which is just, oh my God, that's crazy, meant on so many levels, I can't even say. So you may find that you have troubles with this, but there are ways that you can pay out of pocket and have your thyroid tested properly. Again, your functional medicine practitioner is your best bet there. So when thyroid dysfunctions, quite likely there is an autoimmune component to it. So when there is autoimmunity, that is a positive TPO test or thyroid peroxidase test, the question is, you know, what's the cause? Why is the body attacking its thyroid tissue? Um, By the way, when thyroid is... um, involved in an autoimmune response, brain is also always involved. So degeneration of the brain goes hand in hand with autoimmune thyroid. Okay. Just keep that in mind. So you've got to treat all of these things at once. Um, So what's the cause of the autoimmunity? It's usually connected to the gut. It's usually connected to food intolerances, specifically gluten, or wheat, rye, and barley, okay, grains in particular. And some people react to other grains, so I'm just going to be general. Some grains and not others. I'm going to be super general here. Um, So gluten can be the issue. Um, And healing the gut is almost always the best solution for uh, connecting or correcting an autoimmune thyroid issue. Okay, so... Um, basically just really quickly to, to expand upon something I just said, if autoimmune thyroid is confirmed for you, you need to have somebody looking at your brain and your brain function. And that's a functional neurologist or a chiropractic neurologist. They can do that. I do that in my office, um, to see whether or not, um, how, significant the brain degeneration is and brain dysfunction is, how connected it is to the autoimmunity and how you go about fixing it. Okay. So if it's not autoimmune thyroid or you're unsure, your thyroid's just dysfunctioning. Most of the time it's um, under-functioning or hypothyroidism, um, although it can hyperthyroidism, um, but not nearly as often. 
And to be honest with you, medicine treats hyperthyroidism uh, better than any of the other options, but it's the least common um, thyroid dysfunction. So number one is to support the adrenals um, and to get the stress out of your life. Uh, Adrenals and thyroid are on a direct loop, and adrenals are the only gland that actually have a direct link to thyroid that don't go through some other kind of tissue. And they can downregulate the thyroid gland in order to prevent uh, basically a burnout during a health emergency. Now, if you're perpetually in a stress cycle and your adrenal glands are constantly being called, to handle stressful situations for you, then chances are they've downregulated your thyroid. So supporting the adrenals, getting the stress out of your life is a huge component of correcting a hypothyroidism, okay? And also likely autoimmunity is connected to that too. So it's possible that you may need a prescription for your thyroid. However, I see that as a last resort. There's a whole slew of things that you can do uh, prior to that um, to help with thyroid function. So the other thing I want to mention is heart uh, problems for women can quite likely have a connection to thyroid. So you want to make sure if you're seeing your physician for heart-related issues that they are also testing your thyroid comprehensively. Super important. Okay, so this might be the longest podcast ever. But I hope there's been super useful things here for you. Again, please go to my website, drlovely.expert. Uh, sign up for our on our email newsletter list. Um, there'll be goodies coming soon. Also, you can leave comments and messages for me on the Facebook page for the podcast, Not Your Mother's Menopause podcast page on Facebook. As always, thank you for listening. I hope this has been helpful for you. The views and nutritional advice expressed by Dr. Fiona Lovely are not intended to be a substitute for conventional medical service. If you have or suspect that you have a medical problem, promptly contact your health care provider. No information offered here should be interpreted as a diagnosis of any disease, nor an attempt to treat or prevent or cure any disease or condition. As with any new advice or program, you should always contact your healthcare provider prior to starting anything new. Thank you.